0: Hello and welcome to the Wellbeing Wanderer podcast. I'm your host, Kat Burdett, wellbeing coach, eternal nomad and self-love enthusiast. Come join me on a journey as I deep dive into what it really takes to achieve that happy, content state of being. The goal of this show is to bring you those feel good vibes, expand your learning and encourage your own personal growth so that you can discover what wellbeing means for you. I'll be exploring every and any genre, including health, mindset, spirituality, and much more. So get ready for a juicy, mind opening, raw, and real experience where no topic is off limits. I hope this helps you to feel good. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Wellbeing Wanderer podcast. I hope you're doing amazing. Now, I don't know about you, but I find that one of the things that challenges and triggers me the most is the relationship that I have with my family. Oftentimes, it's our family that gets to experience the raw, unfiltered version of us, as this is where we tend to feel the most comfortable dropping our emotional guard and showing who we really are as we learn, grow and evolve from children to adults, it's our families that get to deal with us changing, sparking many arguments, misunderstandings and heightened emotions like anger. Well, today on the show, I'm bringing on expert healthy change maker for families, registered psychotherapist Charlie Page whose passion is to repair and improve the parent-child bond, especially for mothers and their teen daughters. And she also hosts intimate and powerful private retreats. Charlie works closely with families and helps her clients deal with the challenges of life transitions, relocations, divorce, death, low self-worth, anxiety, anger, depression, self-harm and suicidal ideation. Her main focus and attention goes towards teenagers. Charlie's psychotherapy takes a fully holistic approach to health and incorporates a combination of Western and Eastern philosophies to mental healing. I had the pleasure of exploring a range of topics with Charlie, including teenage mental health, family dynamics and sibling rivalry. Her upbeat and magnetic personality really shine through in this conversation. I think you're absolutely going to love her. And it really displays her passion and knowledge for the work she does. That's so close to her heart. So, without further ado, here is the gorgeous lady herself, Charlie. Hello, beautiful Charlie. Welcome to the show. I'm so happy to have you here today. Thank you for joining me. <laughs> Thank you for having me. I'm very excited. Yay! I'm really excited too. I can't wait to dive into everything. Um, so I'm going to start with the question that I ask everybody, and that does that is, what does well being mean to you? Oh, it, it, that's a good one actually, and I had
1: heard that, that that I did hear one of your other podcasts that asked that, and I, I was thinking it's. I find it's very it's really personal um, to everybody, and I think it's different for me. Um, it's. Mostly about how you feel in your body. So for me, well-being, you know when you're there based on how calm you are um, how calm you feel. I think it's about balance, balancing different energies, uh, fiery energy and calm energy, mind, body, spirit, um, very much about the authentic self. That uh, That sort of encompasses it for me.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, I just love everybody's answer. It's always so different and I find it really fascinating. But that yeah. balance element that you're talking about does come into it quite often. A lot of and that calmness, like you say, that inner peace, that's a a big one that people often say.
1: Yeah. And for me, well, my business is called it's called Purple Onion um, at the Purple Onion Therapy. And for me, the purple is about the two different energies, the red with mixing with the blue. So blue being the calm energy and red being sort of the more fiery energy. And I think that by nature, we're sort of born maybe with more red or more blue. And I know I'm definitely more of a red person and have been a lot of my life. And that for me to find balance, I have to be, I have to go and do things like yoga, meditation, mindfulness. But those, that's the stuff that's hard for me. Uh, and yeah. then I meet people who are more blue type people who have that calm energy. Uh, is that more you? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, so with those, with those people, so so the more blue calm people, I feel that for them to be more balanced, they have to do stuff that you know is creates more energy. And I I always go back to sort of fitness as uh, you know the sort of the core of my my stuff. Even the mind part um, is like. I love um sort of more extreme sports, sort of boxing and punching bags and things like that, and that would be my go to but it's actually the yoga and the meditation that I need but yeah, uh,
0: yeah. Uh, one of my guests brought a very interesting perspective the other day and and she was yeah talking about your elements you know and and I was saying how um well, actually, I have a tiny bit of fire, and i have I have no earth at all um so in a, in terms of astrology and the elements and things like that so um yeah I found that really interesting and it made a lot of sense it's like yeah I need more structure in my life <laughs> yes well, well yeah, yeah definitely
1: I, I feel like yeah earth is not a big one for me either <laughs> being the ground much more sort of air and water and water but
0: ah uh, yes <laughs> me too me too Okay, well before we get going in too deep there, I'd love for you to introduce yourself to everybody listening and share a little bit about the amazing work that you do.
1: Okay, yeah. Um so well, what I do. What do I do? So, <laughs> so I'm a registered psychotherapist from Canada. So um, and I'm currently living in Geneva. And so I'm still doing, working a lot with youth mainly, teenagers, um, and more as time's gone on, more, more, working more with youth and families. Um, but I've now got a uh, a side business that I've started. I always actually like to have a side business when I do therapy because I find the therapy can be quite, can be sometimes quite heavy. So I like to have something light on the side. Um, So I used to have a wakeboarding business, um, and now I've just started a a retreat business in Morzine called Pure Vida Escapes. So that runs uh, retreats, mother-daughter retreats, teen retreats, um, and therapeutic-type retreats, which I sort of was doing as well in Canada, but um, it's sort of new over this side of the world. Yeah.
0: Wow, that sounds so good. And I I remember forever listening when Charlie told me about what she did. And I was like, wow, that is such a good idea. Um, and and I we're going to dive into all of that very, very shortly as well, because um, I have so many questions about that. And I think it's a really beautiful thing that you're doing. Um, but before we do, I was curious to know, what would you say that your mission in life is?
1: Oh, mission, um, to make a difference. You know, for me, it could be, I don't need to be, famous i don't need thousands of followers for me it's could be one conversation one action uh something just making a difference with people um oh actually no and i i do have this strange thing where i always sort of think when i'm dead what i would i would love So because I work with a lot of young people, I would like in the future, my my goal would be I'm dead and I have young people who have become adults who go, you know what made a difference to me? I met this therapist when I was 15 and she said this or she did this um, and it changed my life. Um, or it doesn't even have to be, I met this woman who was a therapist. It could be, uh, I met this woman. I met this woman at a cafe and I had this incredible conversation. And from that conversation, it inspired me to do this, this, this. So it's. it doesn't have to be a massive thing. It's just, yeah, that. So leaving something behind.
0: Oh, yeah. leave it. Leaving a good legacy as well. Yeah, a good legacy. One of my
1: experiences to to say.
0: <laughs> I think that's beautiful because yeah it's like letting your your memory of of your good work live on and yeah there is something so beautiful about being in service to others and yeah that's actually known to increase your well-being i know it's something i think jay shetty talks a lot about certainly big in the uh, spiritual world um yeah. yeah it does it's it's for myself as well you know it gives that real sense of um feeling uplifted and feeling like you're really doing something worthwhile.
1: Absolutely. And I find that um, always it's, you learn, you can learn from from listening to others, but also you can learn from teaching and watching how others change around you. Yes. Um, yeah, so.
0: Yeah, no, it's amazing. That brings me to another question I have for you. What actually made you want to become a psychotherapist? You know, and why work with um the people that you work with? Is there a story from your past that made you want to turn your attention to helping others?
1: Yeah, there is a story from my past, but i didn't uh, I didn't know it at the time when I got into what I was doing so um my actual first career was um as a tax consultant um so I was working for many years in accounting companies. And then when I had my first child, who's now 19, I I realized I couldn't or I didn't want to be working in that field. Um, well, I didn't. I, I knew I couldn't raise my child the way that I wanted to with the hours I was going to have to work in that profession. So. I sort of had to re- rework things and I didn't know what I was going to do. And so I ended up just not thinking about it for a while. And I started training for triathlons and I would pull her in the back of a little trailer or she'd be at the side of the swimming pool um, and she'd go everywhere with me. And somebody would say, Oh my gosh, I saw you the other day and you totally inspired me to get into fitness. Cause I saw you with, you know, doing that. And I was like, Oh, what's was like, oh, that's interesting. And so I started hearing that I was inspiring people to do fitness. So I thought, well, you know, I could get paid for that. So I went, um, I went and retrained as a fitness instructor and personal trainer, and did that part time when my daughter was young. And then through that process, I started working with a lot of women in their sort of, mainly 40s, 50s. And um you know, for weight loss or, you know, just getting them fit. And I, I had this one client that I just absolutely loved, uh, but no amount of, and I used to go to her house and train with her and no amount of anything I could do could change, could, could help her. And I thought, well, it, I knew it wasn't about the body for her. It was deeper than that. It was about her mind. And I thought, I need I need to be better. You know, yes. some people can just jump up and down and do fitness stuff and they can become healthy. But I knew hers was more mental. So I decided to go back to school and be, uh, become a life coach. And then it was through that process, I started thinking, who do I really want to help? And I thought you know, that client that had um, inspired me to do that, she was probably mid to late 60s. And um, I thought it's too, too, I mean, it's never too late, but it was too late for me to want to make a difference. I wanted to get in earlier. I wanted to make sure that You know, that women felt beautiful as early as possible and beautiful. I mean, external, internal. I just wanted people to feel great straight away. So I came up with this thing sort of why wait to feel fabulous and um, was sort of thinking about, you know, starting young. So then I started my business Power for Teens Mm -hmm. um, in Canada. Um, but with all that, you know, going back to school, it started. I also think that I was really attracted to that age as well because that's when I had really struggled. Um, you know, probably from about the age of well, fourteen. I just, I just, it was hard. It was hard. It's hard being a teenager. You get misunderstood. Um, I was at an all-girls boarding school. I'd just, I'd moved back from. Um, my parents lived overseas in Kuwait. And I had moved to the UK to go to a boarding school. And culturally, it was just insane, the difference. And I just really struggled at, at not fitting in, but I struggled at wanting to connect with what, what I saw around me. And, and just, yeah, I felt yeah, a bit, a bit strange at that time. I mean, I think most teenagers feel a bit strange. I just had that added um, change in my life. Um, so that's why I sort of thought... I would have loved to have had some sort of role model that could have talked and helped me through that time, but it wasn't popular back then. Uh, you know, I'm now 50. And uh, so back then, you know, having therapy or anything like that was not a thing. You just sort of toughened up and got on with it.
0: Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I I think it was a really, it is a very challenging time for anyone, your teens. It's very confusing. You're going through puberty um, your body's changing. Um, you've got peer pressure. You've got exams, and yeah, there's there's a lot of stress. Um, yeah. And I think for me, it was probably my most turbulent time. You know, I got bullied a lot at school, and that's where my my fear of judgment really came in and people pleasing, because and, and I just I didn't I didn't speak. I was just quiet because I was like, well, if I say anything, people are going to laugh at me and And so that was um where mine stem from as well, but it makes me think, though, do you feel that 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 adolescence is the right time to address this, or do you think that maybe the whole lot of, like mental health aspect should be brought in a bit earlier into education?
1: Well, you know, it's funny you say that because initially I was thinking I wanted to work with teens. And so I started this business in Canada called Power for Teens and um, specifically for, for girls and working the mind, body and soul. And as I started doing that, people would started saying that to me. You know, oh, you need to go earlier. So, and I thought, and at the time, because I'd just done business, I thought, oh no, I made a mistake. I called it Power for Teens. um I'm never going to be able to market this to younger people because they're going to automatically go off. But now we we've ended up with a tween group, so we start at age eight um, to do it, and. Yeah, I'd say it's, you know, to be proactive with mental health and, and not, you know, and yeah, not make it so heavy, you know, just sort of mental wellness. I think that it's um the whole whole idea of mental health it's it's got so heavy. And you know, we have to sort of start it young in just um in fun ways. Really fun ways being proactive of what does it mean to be you and what is what what is being authentic? And how are you authentic? And how do you show that and stuff like that? And what makes you feel I one of the questions I love the most is, if you were going to get a compliment, what would it be? Because it's often not, oh, look, you're so pretty, or, you know, it's usually something like, you're so brave, you know, and I have eight year old kids say the most incredible things about what they want. And then we go into, um, talk about that. Oh well, if it's you're so brave, you know, how are you going to, you know, move through the world in a brave way? That's obviously important to you, and sort of building up those things rather than, you know, oh, haven't you got beautiful blue eyes? Which is generally, you know, the types of compliments that girls can get, uh, which I think are not helpful.
0: <laughs> yeah, because because that's all very uh, superficial, isn't it? But yeah. actually, you know, a, a higher compliment, you know, even if I was to receive a higher compliment, it would be like. Um, you know, you're 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 so kind or you're so compassionate or something like that, not you look hot in that dress <laughs> or whatever it is. I mean um, you can't you can't help those compliments hitting the ego a little
1: bit, but but yeah, I try to try to get rid of those ones because I think they're dangerous almost if you absorb them too much.
0: Yeah, yeah. And I think there's a real beauty in um in going a lot deeper with it and actually complimenting someone's character. Yeah, just the way they look oh beautiful and Mm -hmm. so how then after that you know with the with the mother daughter retreats obviously you say you have a daughter that's correct yeah Yeah. I've got two yeah two daughters yeah so where was the idea behind where did the idea behind that come from was this because of uh uh, you know situationships between (laughs) you and I love that I love
1: that expression situationships um Well, no, it really happened. So I was doing, you know, the Power for Teens thing, and I started coaching um, girls. And then so people started asking me if I could coach their daughters. And so then I ended up going back to school, becoming a registered psychotherapist. And then so I ended up with um, all of these, all of this information about young people, right? And, and you know, it just it's it's such a privilege to sit with them and hear their stories so many years after being in it. And what I noticed is as a, um, as a mother I was changing um, because of what I was hearing in my office. Um because I hear a lot about um how you know exactly how I felt when I was young. These, you know girls coming in saying you know often talking about their mother um she doesn't listen to me she always tells me what to do um she doesn't understand me um you know and not that the and and it's not that many of the relationships were you know the it wasn't that the parents or the mothers or whoever they were talking about were were doing anything wrong it was just it was almost like, and I noticed myself as a mother in those conversations, I was like, oh, I do that too. As these girls were saying that, I think, oh, I bet my kid would say that about me. How can I be better? And so I would talk through this with my clients about, and ask them, what could your mother do differently? How do you feel you could be heard? How do you think she misunderstands you? And just started getting really curious. And during that curiosity, I um, Obviously, you notice as as a therapist that the curiosity part is when people, that's when they grow the most because they self-discover and it's when they feel most connected. Mm. And so I was creating these beautiful relationships with these teen clients and then going home and having my relationship with my own girls as a mother and sort of just looking at the comparisons of that and seeing how I'm different as a mother than I am as a therapist. And it's very interesting in how, you know if if a client of mine says something that could be quite challenging to hear as a mother, as a therapist, I respond, really just with curiosity, I don't dive in and panic. Oh my goodness, what? you 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 did what? You know, you smoked a vape. I mean, do you know vape's going to, you know, like it's, you You just sit back and go, okay, well, what made you do that? How do you feel about that? You know, and, you know, you just question it. And so then I was like, I have to do that in, in my mothering role too. Mm. Just making sure that I step back from bringing my own story and fear, fear to the whole thing.
0: Yeah, it's like taking it's taking that reactional emotion away and just coming from a place of neutrality. And so, like you say, um, it's also I'm just thinking like with the journey of self-discovery as well. You know, they say, be curious like a child. Ask yourself curious questions. And that's how you tend to find the answers. You know, imagine like you were, you know, yeah, you're a child. You don't know anything. You're like, oh, mommy, why are you doing that? You know, um, (laughs) uh, Santa, I'm just thinking like Santa Claus, Father Christmas, is he real? You know, you ask those kind of questions. But yeah, I think that's really beautiful that you were able to take that away. And it's actually enhanced your relationship. And it's such a good point, actually, because it's always when the emotion comes in, you know, that's when we do, especially if it's something like anger, you know, it, it, it raises your cortisol levels, you can't think clearly, it disables your rational thoughts. And so, it's also the same, I guess, like when you're in an argument with your partner, for example, and you get furious and you say things you don't mean, like you're better off leaving and then coming back once you're once you're calmer. Um, so yeah, how did you find that though? Did you find that you you wanted to react, you wanted to blow up, or or were you able to then? because of this thought process, stop yourself from doing that.
1: Well, yeah, and it's, it wasn't even really, it's not that I was blowing up, it was more or it was just investing too much in the conversation, bringing too much of my story into it, you know? So, and I noticed this when I'm working with clients and parents, like quite often a parent will say, you know, I just really don't want my kid to be bullied like I did. So, you know, that, so they, they come from there. And, you know, but I'm like, yeah, but your daughter is not you and she's not being bullied. That's not the issue. Um, You know, so it's sort of trying to teach um, parents just about how we all do that, you know, that we bring our stories to the table and that when you have that connection as a mother to your child, it's really, really difficult to notice that you're bringing your story because the love is so strong, the bond is so strong that um, you've just dive You dive straight in because you just want to help too much, (laughs) too much. Your your rescuer, your rescuer comes in. um, And, you know, one one of the things I've noticed when I work with clients as well, which I just find so, especially even younger ones, sort of 10, 11, 12, quite often we forget that these, you know, these young people have, they are incredible. They have so much wisdom. And if they come home to parents and they say, oh, you know, I was at school and this girl did this or this boy did this, as a parent, you go, oh, what did they say? Why did they do that? Oh, well, you know what you should do? You should do A, B, C, and this. And actually, I think you've said this before, but I have removed, um, I should, I, you have to, you must. You just take them out. There's no you should, you have to, you must. Um, yes. I heard you say that, and I was like, oh, I say that a lot. Um So, um with the mothers, it, you know, because what I ask the kids, I say to them, you know, how do you think you could handle that differently? Or what do you think you could do? And when I've asked those questions, the, the answers these kids come up with are mind blowing sometimes. Some, I mean, I would never think of it. You know, I have a 10 year old go, you know what I'm going to do? I'll get, I'm going to get my mum to come in with the dog, you know, I'm going to get her, get her to bring the dog in so that, because I really like that girl and I know that she's got a puppy and that'd be a great way for me to connect. And I'd be like, amazing. That's a fantastic solution. You know, that's so, you know, just getting them to really, and that, that's empowering, right? Giving them the answers is not empowerment. And so but asking them how they can handle the situation that's real empowerment and we can do that from a really young age because they do come up with better answers than than we do because we're not there yeah, so, that's, yeah. Really,
0: that's really great advice yeah and obviously something that you know we do in the coaching process as well I do in the coaching process as you do with your therapy I'm sure you know we ask the right questions you ask the right questions and then you work out the answer yourself and and that's the thing, we've always got the answer within us. We always know what it is, but sometimes we just need that little bit of guidance. And um, where you feel really empowered is when you start asking yourself the right questions, you know, um, and do your your own personal growth stuff. So, yeah, I totally hear you there. Yes. Yeah. Amazing. So what happens on, on your mother-daughter retreats? Um, what does that actually entail? And are there any particular areas of the uh, mother-daughter dynamic that you focus on?
1: I do, but you know what's happened? I've just suddenly thought about my own mum and I thought I really just want, to, <laughs> because you said what initiated this. So yeah. can I go back to that question and just um, tell you a little bit of the story with my mum? I feel like I'm
0: giving you therapy now.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's but been as pup you are. Every every interaction is therapeutic. But so part of the mother daughter thing, what I what I realize, and it's what created the mother-daughter things too, is my mum, unfortunately, is no longer with us. She's up looking down, probably right now. Um, but I remember at one point, um, before I started these mother-daughter retreats, I was thinking about how my relationship with my mother and how I felt. It's almost like wherever I am in the world, it felt like the sort of this umbilical cord that's attached from the earth through her to me. Mm-hmm. And that I remember thinking, I, I'm solid and okay almost because she exists. And we haven't always had an easy relationship. I mean, I was not an easy teenager, Um but I had this, this sort of connection from earth through her. And so that relation being really important for me, it sort of inspired these uh, mother-daughter retreats. I just had to say that for my mother as well, because I think my relationship with her was is, is really was really powerful for me and hoping and my experience with my own children is very powerful as well. So I tried to bring all that into these mother-daughter retreats.
0: Okay, so what was the question? <laughs> Yeah, well now, now you've got me thinking. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Now you've got me thinking, yeah, like um that feeling of of connectedness was incredibly strong. You had a really strong bond there. And yeah, I'll be honest, that's exactly how I feel with my mum and I'm quite honestly. Um, you know, she is my go-to person, she is my rock, she taught me most of what I know in terms of like psychology, emotions, things like that, the way to deal with the world. And you know, it, it scares me to think, oh, my God, one day she's not going to be here. And my mum is, um, sorry, mum, 75. So, you know, she's not young. She doesn't have, like, a whole lot of time left. And, like, the thought of, like, her not being here, I'm like, oh, my God, you know, like, it's going to be all on me. Who, who Who's going to support me? Um. So, yeah, I can, you know. And, well, you're
1: lucky because you're spiritual. So what you'll notice is she will be there. Yeah, um, I notice it all the time. I'll be at the top of a mountain and the the witch will be in the wind. Or I was at a cafe the other day and she was in in the, the in somebody's eyes, you know, like it's just strange. They, they never leave, really.
0: So. No, no, that's right. You know, and um, yeah, we we are. You know, I believe that, we, well, everything is connected. That's actually science anyway. Um, but yeah, that's it. And I already have very strange things happen to me. I'm not going to talk about this on to, on this episode, but you know, there's other episodes for that. <laughs> Listen. You've listened to them already. So yeah, I know there's there's stuff going on that we definitely don't, definitely know, don't know. Don't
1: know. And yeah. actually, actually at my mum's funeral, um, somebody came up to me and they said, and it was the, the most bizarre thing to say, they said um oh you had a funeral, but I took it exactly how it was meant. She goes, you know things, um, things will change as a result of this. And, um, and they will, they will be good. Um, you will learn something from this and good things will happen as a result of your mum's death. And, um, and I was thinking, God, that's quite a risky thing to say to someone at a funeral when they're grieving. But it, it, the way they said it was, you will grow, you will learn. And, um, and obviously things will change. Um, and obviously I did grow and I'd learn. And, my path this way changed. And my sister, I have a sister two years older. Um, her path changed as a result of my mum passing because she she died quite young. And um and both of our transitions because of that have been very strong and good. And we live life with more purpose. Um, it's, it also, I think a part of that is because you know you never know when it's going to be over. Yeah. So it's almost nice to, to sort of have that in mind as you live your life.
0: Definitely. I mean, there's lessons in everything, but there's, there's always a lesson in death and, you know, touch wood. I, I'm very, I haven't experienced a whole lot of it. Um, Nothing like, you know, with anyone close particularly. Um, But yeah, it is, a, it is a great teacher and, you know, when people pass on and go it does make you take uh, stock of your life and uh, you know you, you it helps you to to focus on on the things that matter as well and sometimes gives you the confidence and helps you realize that actually we don't have all the time in the world no no and and that's you know obviously with my radiotherapy job that's something i saw a lot that was drummed into me and it actually surprises me that a lot of people in the profession um don't aren't doing like more they aren't going out and they aren't going after their dreams and chasing their dreams and living their life and I'm like that gave me the kick up the ass I was like we gotta go we gotta do this now like so, yeah, it's just another thing. to add.
1: I love that about you. I've noticed that in you and I love it. You're like sometimes, you know, when you say that, you know, you found it hard to be vulnerable and stuff like that. And then I look at you on this show and how vulnerable you, vulnerable you are. There's definitely this. The time is now. It's now. Yeah, exactly. It's, has to be yeah, and I really feel that. And and I think that's um a gift that that we can give other people is sort of reminding them don't wait. Don't wait, too many people wait too long to do
0: stuff. Yeah, no, a hundred percent. Yeah. And I think that's I think that's possibly one of the things I am most passionate about is helping people to just drop the fear and just yeah. go for it. Just drop yeah. the fear. And go for it. I believe I said this on a somebody I was interviewing yesterday that yeah it's something I tell myself to give me that inner confidence is just like one day I'm gonna die so I might <laughs> as well just do this because the time is now I don't know when I'm gonna die but one day I will and also people you know, think that's dramatic, but it, it's not I mean it's just yeah, truth. It's truth, yeah. And then like, I also go, oh, but we're also floating on a rock in space in in a in a vast multitude of of nothingness and blackness. <laughs> uh so you know and then I think yeah really it doesn't matter does it let's just do it why not be a laugh
1: yes absolutely what's the worst that can happen you'll just fail that's loud.
0: so finally we can return back to that question now oh yes let's go
1: for it it was something about what do we do on the mother-daughter retreats
0: yeah What what uh what does it what does it look like how does it work like what do you focus on um Yeah. I'm just curious. Okay.
1: So, well, so I work with, um, wonderful girl, Cheyenne, who I've known, oh gosh, how long? 10 years. She helped pretty much develop Power for Teens with me. She was a young little thing at the time. And, um, incredible entrepreneur I must have met her. she must have been 21 22 anyway she now runs she owns and runs Power for Teens in Canada and um, so she um, so we have the mums and the daughters together she has the daughters and I have the mums when we do breakout groups so she works with you know sort of trying to um, build their sort of understanding of themselves or she'll do different workshops on she did one recently on the authentic self um, but loads of different stuff with them I then take the mothers and talk what I talked about more recently because it changes as we change um, I talked a lot about how to communicate with um, with your kids and, and what parts you bring to the table, as I was talking about before. So we do these breakout sessions and then um, we bring the mothers together for different things. So we had um, find your duo strength. So they go through all these different workstations to try and find um, how they communicate uh, together together Um, they do artwork together, they create a piece of art together, Um, they have to do something where they find what they have similar and what they have different, and then write it down, They do a mum-daughter handshake. Um, So lots of sort of like bonding activities together. And then a lot of presenting, you know, what they've learned in whatever workshop it was to the other group. And I mean, it's it's, it's an absolutely beautiful environment. Um, In fact, I just came back from Canada. I did a tween one. We had 10 mums, 10... Daughters eight to twelve, and I mean this amazing place. Um, and the kids have time to go for, go off on themselves and swim in the pool and stuff like that. And but it's just this beautiful, inspiring energy of mothers with mothers connecting with their kids. It's oh. just it's very powerful. It's just beautiful. It sounds gorgeous. Yeah. yeah, I mean, and it's and it's because of the way that I work with Shine and why it's almost hard to say what do we do is because it's free flowing as well. Um, Like um, we believe in spontaneity. It's like, let's all get together on this thing. We have a plan and we've been doing it so long that, you know, things can come up when we feel like, but I, like when I was up there, I um, went running the first morning. I got up early and went at six o'clock the morning. And then when I was coming back, people were waking up and they found out I'd gone running. And I said, well, I'll take a group running tomorrow. Who wants to come running? So then the next day, I have a group of nine people running in the morning. Then we go and do, we did a beautiful hike um, into the woods where we did um, a mindfulness exercise where um, we split the groups into, we, we say to them, who who's usually the talker and who is usually a listener? Um, and we talk about how extroverts, because I really believe extroverts are just getting so much airtime these days compared to introverts and quiet people. And my, I'm a massive extrovert, but my experience of introverts is, you know, they're quiet, but they're the ones that are watching and listening and learning and they they see things that the noisy people don't. And their, their attention to detail and they, they can get lost. And what what I find when working in especially these mum's daughter groups is, or any groups is, when when you start talking about the power of introverts and what they bring to the table, you see the young kids who have often thought I'm boring, nobody likes me, I'm never invited to the parties. They suddenly start seeing themselves in new ways, and so we take them out into nature and we talk about, you know, the noisy ones and the quiet ones. And we work this time with a friend of mine who's a chef, Lisa, she's an introvert. And I took her on this and I wanted her there. And I was talking about introverts and how they often feel not seen. And she was like, oh my gosh, that's me. We split them up. And I say, okay, close, you you match up an introvert with an extrovert. And then the introvert tells the extrovert to close their eyes. And then the introvert will walk them somewhere and show them something. And it could be a leaf that's dying or a a wall or a stone or a flower. And they describe that to the extrovert. And it sounds so strange or so simple, but it's incredibly powerful because the introvert feels seen and has the ability to show something quite simple that an extrovert that's too busy bouncing around the place has missed. Um, yeah, so it's just, we do stuff like that, which, um, it's sort of a little out there, but, um, it's really incredibly powerful. Oh, I
0: love that.
1: Yeah, it's a great, um, it's, I, I really recommend if you have groups to do it. Um, yeah, it's a lovely, a lovely little thing. And so we have lots of stuff that we do like that, that's, um, you know, it makes people cut, they they don't necessarily think they're coming for that, but it's sort of, they really connect with a deeper part of themselves. That's what I would say. Yeah. The young people and the mothers too, we get them to connect with a deeper part of themselves and to open their eyes and see each other for who they really are. Um, and especially with the older girls, like the one I'm doing in August in Morzine, it's the teen girls. And, I mean, you probably remember as a teen, um, you know, I don't know, actually, because you, you, I think you're very sensitive. So maybe you did notice this. But I find with a lot of teenage girls, they don't really realize their mothers are human. Oh, OK. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I don't know. Maybe that's maybe that's true of me. Actually, I mean, I I think back to when I was a teenager, and I was absolutely dreadful with my mother. I think, and I just I didn't want her around me. I just no. didn't want her around me at all. That's that's what I remember. And then yeah. suddenly, I did. Like there was a turning point.
1: <laughs> yeah, and that's why actually the teen the teen mother daughters are a hard sell because but they're 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 the, they're the ones that are most important because, um, of course, you're not meant to really get along with your mother as a teenager. This has to be that pushing away. That's part of the process of becoming an adult. And in fact, the closer you are, or the more powerful that relationship is, sometimes you push harder.
0: Right. Interesting. Yeah. And because
1: if you think about it, right, you've, as a mother and a daughter, you've had to, you know, you've been fully nurtured. And then they get to this age where, you you know, you need to, as a young person you know I need to be me you might not consciously know this but subconsciously you know that you need to be you and you know also you are not your mother you do not want to be your mother and in fact the more you might be like your mother the more you do not want to be like your mother so you push and you push Um, Mm -hmm. and then the mother comes in and goes I don't know what I've done wrong you know we had this great relationship and now she's turned into a monster (laughs)
0: blaming herself for it as well I imagine definitely a lot of blame yeah but it is you you do need that natural process yeah because it's like you're starting to merge into into adulthood and you're trying to figure out who you are it's part of that confusion so yeah it makes sense that yeah even I went through that phase at one point I was like I'm never going to talk to her again and, you know, we're, we're very, very close. So, yeah. See,
1: if, we, if we were in a one on one therapy now, I would be really tempted to um get some music out and dance to We Got to Break Free.
0: <laughs> well, your therapy sessions sound delightful. <laughs> love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. Yeah. Um, there was another question I have for you regarding family dynamics. And um, so through coaching my clients and talking to friends, and also, especially in my life, there's often a lot of sibling rivalry. So for me, my sister, <laughs> sorry. Well, sorry I'm going to my- do you a therapy session now. Yeah, she, she's my worst trigger, right? I can barely control my reaction to her. And it feels like uh, I'm regressing to a childlike state and I absolutely hate this feeling of being so out of control.
1: Yeah,
0: It's something I'm currently working on and trying to work through, but there's so much resistance there. <laughs> so I was just curious to know, like if, if sibling rivalry is something that comes up a lot in working with adolescents or the age group that you work with, um, and have you identified any similar reasons or patterns as to where this sort of rivalry comes from?
1: Oh, what a beautiful
0: question! Are
1: you the younger or the older? <laughs> Can you guess? <laughs> younger. I'm older. You're the older. Okay. Oh, interesting. Okay, so that changes everything. Um, so, <laughs> well, just because I, I feel placement is is massive. Yeah. Of of where you you know the where you come in the family the line is is really a big thing. Um, and the age difference also is really important if, they, if it's more than 5 years it's almost like you start again you're an only child so if there's if there's two kids and then another one but
0: sounds like she's 2 years did you say uh, she's three years younger than me. Three years younger, yeah. I, mean, I, I know what my issue is, but um, I'm just, yeah. Great, <laughs> great. Um, So, I mean, I, I haven't done it loads, loads in therapy, but it's, I
1: mean, it, it's fascinating. I find it really interesting. Um, And I always do ask clients because um, knowing as well the first child, what they present as, you know, whether they're presenting as the star child or the rebel child. Which one are you? A star child. A star child, right. So the second one that usually comes up is, you know, they, they're going to need attention. And if the star, position of star child has been taken, well, they're going to have to go rebel. Um, whereas if you'd gone rebel, then, you know, the next one will come up and make a difference. There's no point being rebel. You've already got that spot. So they're going to be fantastic. Uh, I'm the younger. I'm your sister. I'm the rebel child. I have a a two year old star child. Wow! Oh. So I'm I would be in the situation of your sister, right? Um,
0: yeah. And it's
1: and what was the question? Is it about you?
0: Or? <laughs> well, I mean, I I was just curious to see if like um what the, what you found the main reasons of of sibling rivalry to be, and I think you just illustrated it uh well one point of it they're quite beautiful you know about the star child and the rebel child um yeah. but that seems to be a dynamic of of two people so I don't know obviously I, I I've there's only been me and my sister so I don't really know what it's like with with more than two children I know you've got you can have like middle child issues and yeah like. then there's,
1: there's the lost child and um but uh I mean, I think with even, I mean, obviously it's about competition, being heard, being seen. And I think it's no different siblings than, I mean, it's only because they are your biggest mirror. You know, they're the people that you see the most. So I think it comes down to just how can I be really seen and heard? Um, And we want to be seen and heard by our parents um, and those who are close to us. And, if you're, you know, when you have a sibling, you're, you're going to be competing for that. So it's just, yeah, it's just wrought difficulties.
0: It, it is, yeah. And I feel like with my sister, I know, I think she feels she's not seen and heard by me, which is quite interesting. But I also feel like that with her. Um, yeah, Shall I tell you something that I find um,
1: really useful? I actually learned this um, from when I was actually studying psychother- psychotherapy. I had this amazing teacher, and she—it was very odd. She um, was talking about something in the class, and it, she started talking about age and about something being somebody being younger than and I I suddenly felt this massive trigger in me and I was like thinking oh my gosh I cannot believe this teacher's being so condescending about age but it was really powerful and I knew it wasn't well placed and so I brought it up in front of the class and I said I've just got to say I said I'm feeling really triggered right now because I'm I just find that so disrespectful what you said and I knew, as I said, I knew I knew the teacher well, um, and I knew it wasn't the right place. And she walked up to my desk and she put on like quite an aggressive stance. And she said, oh, yeah, how angry are you? And I was like, really angry, actually. She goes, really? What would you like to do? I said, I'd like to take that chair and throw it down the stairs. <laughs> and... And then, um, and so she built my anger, and then she looked at me dead in my eyes, and she said, "Who am I?" And I was like, oh, you're my sister wow she, it was so powerful, and it was this so this is probably something that your younger sister feels it it was this feeling of having somebody who was older and knew more and was being being seen and heard by parents and being admired whilst I was around, just existing, you know, and I'm sure I was probably being seen and heard too, but in that relationship there was all that power behind it that I'd wanted to throw a chair down the stairs. <laughs> and, you know, it was very powerful because it made me realise that in every interaction I am with my my sister, I bring that history with me. Mm. And so I have to watch it and, you know, and I have an amazing relationship with my sister and we, we talk about stuff like this um, and, and we can, and I, you know, and part of it is just learning about ourselves and being really transparent that this is what I bring to our relationship. And she'll go, oh, I did, I did used to condescend to you. I did used to think I was better than you. Yeah. Yeah. It's, and of course you do. Of course you do when you're 10 and you're going, I don't know, water skiing for the first time and the other one's seven and she doesn't get, you know, like whatever you're doing as the older one, you know more, you're better at maths, you
0: spell better, you know. Hmm. I love what you said there about you realised that you brought that into every situation. I had a little like light bulb go off there and I was like, oh my God. This is why I'm striving to do this. This is why I'm striving to be better, to be seen as a good person and all this stuff. And it's actually, yeah, it's always there running in the background, you know, maybe not as strong as it was before, but this is where that desire and that need comes from. So that was, that was very interesting. Yeah. And I, I, I definitely feel that. And I can see that now how I do bring that to every situation, this almost competitive edge. Yeah.
1: And I've noticed something in my sister that um, as we're older now and um, but but it's been in her system quietly, her need to protect me. And um, even though many times in her life she didn't, but um, she, you know, this almost guilt about it that, um, you know, if I say things like, um, you know, when we were young and this happened, you know, and it would have you weren't there for me. Um, well, I mean, not that I say it in that sort of mean way, but I know in part of her, she feels guilt that as the older person, she she should have supported me more. And it's like, it's okay. It's yeah. okay, but she holds guilt. And I think I was talking to you about um a past life regression where she had she had done a past life regression and she had been um Someone in the army of great importance and had taken them into battle and um, something bad had happened to her, her soldiers. So she holds that guilt, even in that that scenario, that needing to protect or look out or something.
0: Yeah, somebody has told me that um, me and my mother have, have, have always been intrinsically linked, like throughout different lifetimes and so I think that's also where that competitive nature comes from because uh yeah I realize I'm always like I needed I need to be close to her I need her to see me this way um and and my sister bless her was almost like you know getting in the way of that um mm. but it's Very- it's interesting because if I
1: think of how I know you from your podcasts and how you present in the outside world, you are not a competitive female. You are somebody who inspires and tries to raise the vibration of people around you. So probably in this relationship you have with your sister, it's, it's not even, it's not even, you're not even bringing the real you to that dynamic, right? Because you're somebody who lifts people up, but then you, with, with her, you can't help it, but you've, this competitive part of you comes up. Yeah. And So you're almost like you must not like that part of yourself when you're with her.
0: Totally. Yeah. Hit the nail on the head. Yeah. I mean, it's so unnatural to me because that is not my state, and I feel kind of gross. And so my my tactic, my coping mechanism, is to avoid her. So I try not to interact too much so I don't get triggered. Um, wow. Super. Super fascinating. Okay. Is- but okay. But now you know this. She is your biggest teacher, without a doubt.
1: Yeah, no, she does. Definitely- and so, and so, <laughs> I mean, on your journey, I mean, that that will be it. She will be it.
0: Yeah, and I I, be, I began to realize that lately, you know, your your biggest triggers, your biggest fears, are the things you have got to work through to to get you to where. <laughs> you go. My mum has got to listen to this episode because she is gonna love this. <laughs> yeah,
1: and and you know, like, and you can fix it. I mean, you really can. I mean, it doesn't matter how struggle that relationship has been. Like it's um, I I really believe those relationships are so fixable because um, and the way they're fixable is by both of you recognizing that each time you're with her. And this is a question I ask myself always when I'm with family members um, is how old am I right now?
0: Oh, that's so good. That's so powerful. Yeah. Mm.
1: And and I ask this, I, I notice it when I'm working with um, mothers in their, you know, any, well, actually anyone, um, I will notice in my interactions with them in a session, I will suddenly say to them, because I'll suddenly be like, this, this, this person's not 50 anymore. And I'm like, how old do you feel right now? Because they're talking about their mother, you know, like, in fact, I had a client last week, she's almost 50. And she was talking about her mother. And suddenly, the way she was talking was different. And, and I was like, she's reminding me of my 15 year old clients. And um, she's just going, oh, my God, my mom, this. And I said to her, I was like, you know, as you're talking right now, I've noticed that Something's changed. How old do you feel? And she was like, and she went, Oh my gosh, yeah, I feel like I'm 15. And and I was like, Yes, I nailed it. I got the age. Um, <laughs> and and I noticed myself in sessions. I mean, I had a mind-blowing experience in a session recently with this uh this girl, she must have been, I don't know, 15 or 16 or something. And I um I actually said in the in the conversation, I was like, Well, you know, when you're our age. And I was like i had I had been listening to her story of bullying and boys and life, and I was I had, and I, I sort of do it consciously and not consciously. I had become her so that I could really fully be with her in that moment, I had brought my younger self to the table but I had brought that young self to the table and forgotten. So then I said, when you're our age, and she looked at me. I was, like, I was like our age, but you know that, yeah, yeah. it's very, very strange. So, cause we have all those pieces
0: in us. Mm. Well, that, that's an incredible question to ask. And I think I'm, I'm going to use that one now, uh, you know, when I, when I do my coaching, cause it's, um, it's it's yeah, it it really does make you understand so much. and you know, I even said to you before about this I I think before we came on to the interview, I was saying how I I do have this like childlike regression that happens to me
1: yeah
0: um and, and that's exactly it. So yeah, I feel I feel like like a child again. Yeah, and it's worse when we're at my mother's house, even worse,
1: absolutely. And that is exactly why, when your sister says, Um, you don't see me, because you're not seeing the new her, right? You're seeing her from, and, and this goes back to what I was saying about when I'm in therapy. So, when I have a client that comes in that's 13, 14, I get presented with this 13, 14 year old as a mother. I'm still remembering. I don't see, unless they tell me, the the little kid who was crying at nursery school and was desperately needing help. I get presented with this 13 year old who might be incredibly powerful and strong. Mum is still seeing this this experience from the past. Mm -hmm. Um, I'll tell you you when that happened as well to me. I I went to see my dad not so long ago and um, I was telling a story and it was my dad and my stepmom. And I was telling this story. And I suddenly had this little voice in my head because I was speaking to my stepmother. But in my head, I was going, I wonder if my dad's really proud of me and thinks I'm clever. As I'm talking, I wonder if he thinks what I'm saying is clever. And I was like, "What? The, what is that? And it kept coming back. And I was like, stop it. <laughs> <laughs> stop it it. I do not have to be clever and impress dad. I do not need to. I'm old enough. I do not need to
0: care. <laughs> oh my goodness. It's amazing, isn't it? How we always do seem to just regress. And also, obviously, I know between the ages zero to seven is when we form our perception about the world, um, other people and our beliefs about ourselves and everything. But of course, you do that with your family as well. So I guess you're left with that imprint of your first um conceptions about that person whether that be your mom your dad or your sister which i think is possibly why it's so hard for me personally to to see my sister and the else because i do i do i see her like a child you know yeah. on, um I'm gonna to have to get her to listen to this episode as well, actually. Um yeah.
1: and and we do, we need to break, we need to break free from from our past selves because you know we are not a constant, we're constantly growing. I mean, I'm not I am not the same me I was three years ago. Um, and that's why the the mother-daughter retreats change as I change. Um, because I, you know, my children age, my relationships with them age, I learn more. So what you bring to the table is always different. And you have to sort of remind yourself that you are not that person that you were before. And then when you go back to your family home, you get sucked into it as that person, you know whatever that may be I mean I know that I uh, in fact I've got my I've got all my family coming uh, to Pure Vida Escapes to the to the chalet and I'm gonna have to consciously m- remind myself I am not that person anymore and I should really try not to behave like it
0: yeah oh this is this is such good advice <laughs> I hope people listening are taking away so much from this I know I will be oh my goodness. Yeah, well, I feel like we've covered so much in this conversation. I was just wondering if there is anything that you wanted to leave the listeners with before we part ways today or any- anything else you wanted to go over? <laughs> Gosh, what have I missed? Oh,
1: I just want to remind people how important family is. I think it's that. I mean, it is um, so challenging. Um, Relationships with family can be so challenging. And I guess I would just want them to, yeah, just to remember to take a step back Uh, And really try and see with fresh eyes um, the person that's in front of them now. Um, I think that's really important to, yeah, especially, I mean, I guess if I go back to the mother-daughter thing, yeah, just try and look at everybody with fresh eyes always. They're Mm -hmm. changing, they're growing. And to try to judge in a positive way as, as opposed to negative. That would be my hope.
0: Yeah. Oh, that's great advice. Yeah. Almost like a a fresh, clean slate every time. Um, it's something I do um when entering like a new relationship with somebody with a romantic partner. I always like think, okay, we're just starting from afresh. So yeah. Oh, and
1: now and actually I also have to say to the mothers, because after this mother retreat, I mean, I, I I often have crying mothers because um we feel often that we're not doing a good enough job and my experience is especially anyone who comes on a mother-daughter retreat I know just the fact that they're there they are doing enough they are you can only be as good as you can be you know and they've got to stop giving themselves such hard time and if their
0: kids are struggling please don't blame yourself please no. Yeah, there's, there's no handbook on this, you know. And even my mother said to me literally like two days ago, she said, "I I could have been a better mother to you when you were younger, and I'm so sorry." I'm like, "Don't be ridiculous, <laughs> you know. It yeah. doesn't make me love you any less." You to no. <laughs> well,
1: of course. We, you could have been a better daughter. We could all, all, I mean, of course. But we are, you know, it's we're doing the best we can. Yeah, in our, in our flawed ways. <laughs>
0: Exactly. Yeah. Captain hindsight is is a beautiful thing, but um yeah. what you can do is uh, go forwards with the with the learnings, the teachings, the knowledge you have, and uh do your best. That's all yes. we can for. Well,
1: and what- I guess what else I would ask people to if they so I'm running this mum and daughter retreat, it's for for age fourteen plus. Small intimate groups. Um, I'm beginning. I would love people to follow me on Pura Vida. It's called Pura Vida underscore escapes Instagram. I have got not many followers. It's new. Um, Just, yeah, come along or come along to Instagram. And if it's something that fits with you, even if you don't have the money and you think that coming to a mother daughter retreat is, we always have spaces that can be cheap. For free.
0: <laughs> so um, yeah, just, so there's always space if you need it. Is there anywhere else you'd like people to, to contact you? Or do you think that would be the best place? That's probably the best place because I'm so bad at social media. I mean, if they want to find out more what I
1: do therapy wise, um, it's purpleoniontherapy.com um, is my website. Um, I have got a Pure Vida Escapes website for the retreats um But yeah, that Instagram is the way to just sort of follow, see what I'm doing. I'm going to try and get better on social media and give tips. So mm-hmm. if I've got more followers, then I actually will start doing a little bit more online because at the moment I'm very much in person.
0: Exactly. There you go, everyone. So everyone needs to follow Charlie because she's doing an amazing job. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Darl. And I, and I love that you call it "pura vida." You know, that's very close to my heart. Obviously, that's a Costa Rican phrase meaning the pure life. Um, which I was going to talk to you about, but I feel like we've covered so much, and um, yeah, maybe we can talk about that another time.
1: Another <laughs> time, excellent. Maybe you need to come over and uh, come and have some pure life, pure vida, and more zine.
0: Oh gosh, I'd love it. Yeah, I'd love it. I'd bring my mum as well. Absolutely. Oh my goodness, yes, grown-up children and mothers. Yay. <laughs> well, thank you so so much, Charlie. It's been an absolutely delightful and extremely informative conversation. And I know that this this episode is going to help so many people. Everybody has family dramas and uh, sibling issues. Uh, well, if you have a sibling. So, yeah, I'm sure that it's going to bring so much value. So thank you for your time today. That's a pleasure. Thank you so much.
1: And great to meet you. Great to meet you.
0: Oh, the wonderful, wonderful Charlie. What a great conversation that was. Really enjoyed talking to Charlie. She's such a delight to talk to. And I feel like she gave me some free live therapy right there. I'm definitely going to look into her retreats. They sound fantastic. Um, as I said, m- me and my mother, we have quite a good relationship. So whether we actually need to go on a retreat, I don't know. But maybe, maybe I should bring my sister. I don't know if that will work. Anyway, <laughs> I hope you guys got a lot of value from that conversation and a massive thank you to Charlie once again for being a guest on the show. If you want to get in touch with Charlie, I've put her details in the show notes and mine are down there too. And if you enjoyed today's episode... Um, then please feel free to leave a review and a comment on Spotify and on Apple. And if you're enjoying the Wellbeing Wanderer podcast and you would like it to grow bigger and better, and you want some more juicy guests on the show, then don't forget to hit that follow, subscribe button, and leave a five-star rating. And as always, I'm gonna leave you with my final message to close today's beautiful episode. Family should be the place where you can be your most complete self, where you're accepted and appreciated, seen and valued, even in the moments of disagreement. It should be your soft place to fall, the place where you're reminded that no matter what happens to you, in the face of your deepest challenges, you are loved. Thank you for joining me, everyone. I will see you next week.